Welcome to the Campus Outreach Podcast, where we want to equip you to make your college years count for eternity. I'm your host, Tyler Rollison, also known as T-Roll, and today I am once again joined by a very good friend of mine, Ben Weber, who is the Executive Director of Campus Outreach Birmingham. Ben, thanks for coming back on the podcast, man. Back at it. Glad to be here. Yeah, brother. So you've been on plenty of times, and um, people who have listened to this podcast have probably heard your voice. They probably know that you've been on staff now for a while. It's actually year 13. Is that right? 13. Came on in fall 2007. Wow. 2007. Okay. So I was uh, still in high school. That puts it into perspective. So you've been at West Georgia the entire time. But where did you go to school, and when did you actually become a Christian? So I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and then spent my college years at Sanford University right there in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm the classic example of someone who grew up in the church, have phenomenal believing parents, but I am the classic case of someone who understood the good news of the gospel in my head, but it didn't affect my heart. So I would say even though I knew about Jesus, it wasn't until my junior year of college where I actually entered into a saving relationship with Jesus. And so that's when God transformed my life, and I actually experienced what we're going to talk about this afternoon uh, is actually discipleship. Um, I I didn't just make a decision uh, for Jesus that was one time or momentary, but it actually led to a lifestyle where I was being discipled. And slowly but surely, gradually over time, I've given my life uh, to the mission of discipleship as well. Lovely. That's great, man. Okay, so yeah, as you said, we're talking about discipleship today. It's something that is somewhat of a buzzword, especially in church world and in in the ministry world. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast have, have probably heard the word discipleship before. So as we're talking about discipleship, as we're talking about being a disciple maker, can you just kind of define Uh, some of these terms and what discipleship is all about? Absolutely. You you always got to define your terms. And you're right, discipleship has become somewhat of a buzzword. So what is it? Well, discipleship is really the the central strategy of uh, multiplying or spreading the gospel. Here's what's really interesting. Very often in the South, in the U.S., uh, if, if someone is a church attender, they call themselves what? A Christian. Right. Okay. But if you actually study the New Testament, the word Christian only appears three times. Instead, the word that we encounter 269 times, the word is disciple. So Mm -hmm. this really was the identity of the early church, those who were followers of Christ, literal followers of Christ. They did not refer to themselves as Christians. They called themselves disciples. Mm -hmm. Now, the word disciple in the original language combines two words, and the first word is learner, and the second is follower. Now, now, Jesus, the OG discipleship group, was 12 men, okay? And each of these 12 men, they learned from Jesus, but they also followed Jesus. So we see right there in, in the very definition of the word disciple or discipleship, we see that discipleship, it's formal because we're learning from somebody, but it's also informal because we're following their life. So when I am discipling someone, just like Jesus discipled his 12 men, I want to make sure that I'm teaching them scripture, but they're also following my life. And so, you know, what, what, there, there, there's an old German pastor uh, who's pretty prominent named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But he says this is that Christianity without discipleship is like Christianity without Christ. OK, it doesn't exist. Hmm. Uh, there's no such thing. And so some of the reasons why I have devoted my life to discipling 
is first and foremost is because Jesus did it, right? Now, I don't wear a WWJD bracelet, but, but I am trying, attempting to do what Jesus did. And if you actually study the Gospels, uh, the four books that are written about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, you quickly realize is that discipleship was God's method, or Jesus' method. Uh, Jesus wasn't concerned with, with programs that reached the multitude, but men that the multitudes would follow. Uh, the, Jesus restricted, if you think about it, 90% of his ministry to 12 Jewish men. But that's how he reached the entire world. And so Jesus did it. He devoted his life to it. Jesus also commanded it. Okay, there, yeah. there's a classic passage in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, yeah, these are his marching orders. Uh, they're almost his final words, his death deathbed speech, his farewell uh, call. And Jesus commands us to continue to make disciples of all nations. And, and then finally, you know, there's no plan B. Uh, you know, God has given us the task of making him known to every tongue, tribe, nation, and people. And this is the method. This is the strategy to go deep with a few men, training them, all right, to pass the gospel on. That's good. So, you know, you talked a lot about Jesus and how he discipled his men. Are there any other examples of discipleship in the Bible that we can turn to and learn from? Yeah, absolutely. We get, we got to start with Christ. And there's two short verses um, that, that early on Jesus communicates to the 12 men who followed him. First in Mark 3.15, Jesus says, I appointed the 12 to be with me so I may send them out to preach. And that right there is discipleship crystallized in one sentence. What is discipleship? You spend time with Jesus, and then over time, what does he do? He sends you out to preach. Um, In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says something similar. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you see the two parts once again? Time with Jesus, and slowly but surely, Jesus is talking to literal fishermen. He says, I'm going to train you, equip you, uh, develop you so that you're not only fishing uh, for fish, but you're also catching souls. Uh, you're catching men for Jesus. So so honestly, we, we, we call this the process of multiplication. Um, what, what's really interesting, if you took modern Western definitions of successful leadership, uh, Jesus was actually a pretty abysmal leader. I don't, I don't know that sounds almost like heresy. Explain that. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and there might be some lightning bolts uh, hit me at, at, <clears throat> at any moment. But from a modern uh, Western perspective, Jesus was a leadership failure. Uh, Jesus had less than 120 20 followers at the end of his life. Uh, there are more guys on the college football team that I work with than were following Jesus at the end of his life. And most of these followers scattered when he was crucified. But, as you and I both well know, Jesus was not a failure when it came to leadership. In fact, there's almost 2 billion people on planet Earth that would say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And why is that? Because Jesus was not focused on the multitudes. He he was not focused on on the many. He focused on the few. So we just live in a time and age where where we value things that are big, that are flashy, uh, that are immense in size. And, and, and men, particularly disciples, that was the method of Jesus. And so we live in a day and age, a culture that is looking for better methods or systems or strategies. And we see that God is just looking for better men. Okay. Mm. So not only does Jesus and the 12 men that he discipled, do they carry on the multiplication, the chain of discipleship, 
But but almost word for word, we see Paul doing the exact same thing. Okay, and, and in fact, most of the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament are to churches and leaders that he has discipled. In particular, Timothy uh, is his heir apparent, his protege in many ways. And and in Paul's final message to Timothy, he says, "Timothy, what you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also." So we see this is the core strategy of how we pass the gospel on from one generation to the next. That's great, man. Well, then here's here's my next question for you, Ben. If Jesus did it, if Paul did it, if we are commanded to do it, why why do we as Christians? And I'm thinking, you know, Christianity as a whole. Why isn't this uh, a bigger deal? Why has the church kind of missed this? Why, why, why aren't, why isn't this happening more in terms of discipleship? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think when you start to study the gospel, once again, you see this is what Jesus devoted his life to. Uh, you know, we tend to think that Jesus each and every day is preaching monologues to huge crowds. Uh, but as best as I can tell, as I've read and studied the gospels, um, Jesus spent more time with 12 men than the rest of the world combined. Uh, to be honest with you, they're, 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 Jesus could have preached more. Uh, he could have healed more people. There's only, as best I can tell, one recorded monologue that Jesus preaches uh, to a group of believers, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, even when Jesus appears from the dead in the resurrection, do you know who he appears to? His followers. It's his disciples. Right. Now, if there's one thing I'm doing... If I raise from the dead, I'm going back to my captors. I'm going back to Caesar, to the Roman soldiers, and I'm saying, boom. So all right? Get some Roasted. revenge, right? That's exactly right. But Jesus was not concerned with programs. Uh, he wasn't concerned with fame or reaching the multitude. So, unfortunately, we have redefined success in the church world today. Uh, one of the expressions you'll hear in the church world is that oftentimes churches de- define success by the three B's. The three B's are your building, the size of your building, second, the size of your budget, and then your bodies or your weekly attendance at your large group meeting on Sunday morning. Do you see we're all about the scale, we're all about the multitudes reaching the masses? And Jesus, if you study the gospel, seems totally uninterested in those things. We know he was not interested in, in buildings. Uh, he, he didn't even have a home, a mansion, a play to rest place to rest his head. He, he, he was broke. He was penniless in some moments. And instead of focusing on the masses, once again, he says, let me go deep with just a few men. Hmm. So, I mean, just to be frank, I think in our celebrity culture, we want things that are big, that are flashy, that are sexy. And discipleship just isn't. Uh, discipleship, you know, if you want to be famous, start a blog, write a book, um, you know, try to go viral on Instagram, right. uh, start a podcast. But, but if you want to be effective, if you want to be fruitful, not throwing shade at you, T-Roll, this is helpful. Uh, but if you okay. want to be fruitful, the reality is discipleship occurs at, at, at coffee shops, in offices, um, in, in dining rooms, uh, in dorm rooms. It's often overlooked because it's life on life. It's in the margins, the quiet moments of life. It's not going to put you on the headlines of any newspaper. Yeah. But you know what? It is supremely effective and fruitful, and it's the best way to change the world. Yeah, it's slow, right? Discipleship at its nature, it's slow. It takes time. That's exactly right. So, Okay. So let me ask you this then. Um, are all Christians called to be involved in disciple-making? And how, how would a young Christian know when they are prepared, when they're ready to lead others? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I quoted two verses, Mark 3 and Matthew 4, and I would say 
it's really not up to me. Jesus says, if you're a follower of me, then what? You go and, you go and fish for men. Right. Okay? So it, it, it comes with the territory. If we say that Jesus is our Savior, if we say that he's our Lord, that means we also adopt his purpose, his mission, and also his method for reaching the world, which is disciple-making. So if I'm a follower of Jesus, then, then yes, I've been given the mission uh, to make disciples. And, and I would also remind you of the Great Commission, where Jesus explicitly says not only to the 12, but to all believers Mm -hmm. and all future generations. He says, make disciples of all nations. And at the very end, he actually gives this promise that I will be with you always to the end of the age. Okay, And we can't claim the promise that Jesus will be with us unless we also claim the mission that Jesus gives us. All right? Does that make sense? we got to have both. You can't have one without the other. If you want Christ to be in you, with you, through his Holy Spirit until the end of the ages, then I have to adopt his mission. That's great, man. Okay, so how about this? What sort of advice, what sort of uh, direction would you give to the Christian that is listening to today's episode— and they want more of this. They, you know, the Christian that's listening and wants so desperately to be a disciple maker. That's a great question. And so I would say th- there's no perfect disciple makers out there. There's only been one perfect disciple maker, and that was Jesus Christ. Uh, but the primary instrument we use to train and to teach other young disciples, it's our life. Uh, your lifestyle matters. In fact, Paul would say this, that he, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we'll never be perfect. I I don't hold my life up and say, uh, I'm sinlessly perfect. I'm completely righteous and holy. Just be like me. I I tell the young men that I disciple, be like Jesus. And I'm an imperfect mirror or representation of Jesus. But my lifestyle matters. So first and foremost, if you want to make disciples, uh, you got to lead a life of consistency, of integrity, of faithfulness. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Because if anything, one of the things that I model for the young men I lead, it's repentance, uh, it's dependence on Christ, uh, it's how to confess my sin, how to ask for forgiveness. Okay, so I'm, I'm constantly demonstrating those things. But first and foremost, um, examine your life, all right? Am I leading a life that's worth imitating? Uh, would a young Christian, young disciple look at me and say, uh, I want to pray like you. Uh, I, I want to treat my wife like you. Hmm. Um, I, I, I want to follow a similar uh, path or purpose in life uh, like, like this disciple leader. And then, you know, Colossians one twenty eight, Paul says that uh, my goal in discipleship is to present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle. struggle excuse me. And, and once again, y- you can't take someone somewhere you've never been. Okay, mm-hmm. So I, I can't lead someone dr- down the path of maturity unless I'm mature myself. Right. And Paul also gets real. He says, look, if you're going to devote your life to discipleship, uh, to the process of spiritual maturity, it is toil. It is struggle. It's hard work. Okay? You're going to sweat. Uh, there's going to be tireless moments. Uh, you're going to come home worn out because of the task of discipleship. So it's hard. Uh, it's difficult. It takes work. Uh, your life is the primary teacher. And I would just say this. Uh, before you can lead two disciples, you've got to lead what? You gotta lead one, okay? Hmm. So first off, I gotta lead myself. I gotta lead my life. I gotta embrace the struggle, and then I just gotta start with one guy. So, mm-hmm. and 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 here's the good thing: I, I felt like, especially early on in my Christian life, uh, that I was like one lesson ahead of the guys that I was discipling, and and I was just passing it on. It, it was almost like as I was being discipled, 
Um, you know, I was learning how to pray. I was learning how to share my faith. I was learning how to study the Bible. And then just a couple weeks later, I was passing that on to a young believer. Hmm. So just like um, I mentioned the verse in 2 Timothy where Paul's instructing Timothy to impart the gospel to faithful men. I think if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, I, I want to say at every moment in my life that I have a Paul and that I have a Timothy. Someone who's discipling me, someone who's leading me, and then someone I'm leading. I always have a Paul, hmm. someone who's instructing me, but I also have a Timothy, something that I, someone that I'm instructing as well. So that's where I'd begin. I'd examine my life. I'd make sure that I have a discipler. Uh, I would embrace the struggle, and then I would find just one guy, one girl who's a little younger, a little newer to faith, and I would just devote my life to going deep with them. That's awesome, man. All right, crash course on disciple-making, Ben. This is great. Anything else you'd say before we get out of here? I would just say you can do it. Uh, you can do it. I, I've mentioned Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, the Great Commission. Go memorize that if you haven't. But one verse we often pass over is Matthew twenty-eight seventeen. And right before Jesus, and keep in mind, this is the resurrected Jesus, okay, right. <laughs> before he ascends into heaven. Jesus has just defeated death. He's rose from the dead three days later following the crucifixion, and he is giving his final address to his disciples who followed him for three years, and it says that some of these men doubted, mm. okay? So it's okay to doubt. It's okay to wonder, do I have what it takes? Uh, can I do this? Can I really change the world? And look, the Gen Z, iGen, college students, this is a generation that wants to change the world. They, they want to leave the world a better place. And, and, and to be honest with you, uh, discipleship, it's slow, it's plotting, it's deliberate, and you might doubt yourself. But Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we've got to take up his mission. Okay, take up his mission, make disciples of all nations. So this is something I tell students all the time, but God has saved you with somebody else in mind. Okay, Amen. we got to hand off the baton. We got to pass it on to the next generation of believers. Love it. Good stuff, Ben. Well, listen, thanks again for joining us. We're going to go ahead and wrap up, but we really appreciate you being here on the podcast. want to remind everyone who's listening to please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening and share this episode or another episode that you've listened to that has helped you in your walk. Share it with a friend. Uh, share it with a classmate, someone else who uh, is going through similar struggles, uh, asking similar questions. Go ahead and share the podcast, and we pray that it will be a blessing to you. With all that in mind, for my good friend Ben Weber, this is T-Roll saying thank you once again for listening. We will see you next time for another episode of the Campus Outreach Podcast. Take care. <laughs>